ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Here we are. Episode 100. A lot of people were asking me, what are you going to do for episode 100? Are you going to do anything special? Are you going to do anything? And you know what? For me, I feel like sometimes podcasts, radio shows, whatever they are, they get too inside. They become about the show. And the last thing I want is for Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast to become a podcast about Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. I want Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast to be about wrestling. So you know what we're going to do to celebrate 100 episodes? I'm going to give to you a brand new, awesome interview with a WWE superstar, and then we're going to go over to the state of wrestling. That's what we're going to do for the 100th episode. Why not? Just do what we've been doing. I didn't know how long this podcast would last when I started. I didn't have a major plan going in. I just said, look, I interview wrestlers. I like to talk about wrestling. I like to talk to fans about wrestling. Um... I, maybe I should just do a wrestling show. Like I, I kept trying to sneak wrestling topics into my radio show. And I said, why not do a show where I can just talk about wrestling? And I mean, I'm so grateful to all of you guys for helping this thing become what it's become. I mean, it has grown at an amazing rate. Uh, so many things I've gotten to do because of this wrestling podcast. So many people I've gotten to talk to, you know. I, I, I was interviewing wrestlers before, but not at this rate. And, and and you know, I'm really grateful that because you guys had such an impact that people in the industry actually started listening to this. And there are wrestlers that listen to the podcast. I mean, there's so many moments, and I don't want to go over all of them. I, this isn't going to be a nostalgic podcast. We're just moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. But I remember when, when when Summer Rae and The Miz, I remember that episode, and Summer Rae saying that she had one of these podcasts on while she was cleaning her house. And I'm going, Summer Rae is listening to the podcast? And I mean, lots of guys. People like Kurt Hawkins texting me and just saying like, oh, I'm looking for that Finn Balor figure too. And Hornswoggle at the House of Hardcore saying he listens to the show. Um, but none of that would be possible if you guys didn't listen to the show. You guys are the ones that have consistently put this podcast in a great place in the iTunes rankings, which are so important. You guys are the ones that leave all those great reviews on the iTunes page and subscribe and do all that. Those are the ones that I'm grateful for. Without those guys, none of those moments would have happened. I remember, I I would not, without this podcast, I woke up, I'll never forget waking up one morning and finding a text from Stone Cold Steve Austin and asking him asking if... I would like to do his podcast. And it took months. But the fact that I ended up at Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast house, Stone, Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast house, that's, that's where his podcast lives. The fact that I ended up at Steve Austin's house is amazing. Amazing. You know? The fact that, it, and, and, and just how well received it's been, I just, I just really appreciate it. You know, the fact that we've gotten to go to the Performance Center and interview guys and cover... When we covered Breaking Ground and we did all those shows, you know, and, and, and I couldn't have done it without a lot of people. I couldn't have done it without the good people at WWE. Their PR department is amazing. Uh, 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 Adam Hopkins, the great Joe Villa, those guys, they're, they're incredible. Uh, 
Uh, a lot of the indie promotions, Pat Buck has helped so much. Uh, all the wrestlers that have done the show. I can't even go through the list of 100 podcasts. Every single one of them has been immensely helpful to getting 100 episodes in the can. And of course, I mean, Katie Linendahl. I can't uh, overstate how helpful she's been in this entire process. She is just amazing and 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 has delivered so much and brought this podcast so much. The reason Katie hasn't been on the show in several weeks is because she's been all over the place this month uh, raising awareness and money for pediatric cancer. She's fighting... Uh, children's cancer she's got her uh, she's a big part of the bat coal foundation uh which i believe she started and uh has 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 brought brands together so that she can uh get products to people with that bat coal logo on it so not only can you buy awesome products but you're putting money towards uh helping end pediatric cancer the amount of work that she's doing right now for that cause is really amazing i had to text her the other day just to tell her that i was blown away even at her pace. It's mind-blowing. The amount of travel she's doing. She's going all over the country, getting on every TV station, every radio station that she can possibly get on to talk about the Bat Cole Foundation and to raise money for this. It's really amazing that she's doing it. Uh, and that's why she hasn't been a part of the state of wrestling the last couple of weeks. Uh, and really, like, <laughs> at this point, I want to be out of her hair a little bit, right? I'm not sitting there and being like, hey, you want to talk about wrestling? You want to talk about wrestling? She's like, Sorry, Sam, like, yes, do I want to? Yes. Am I watching? Yes. But I'm a little busy, like, trying to save the world. And I go, all right, Katie, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep talking about wrestling. But, yeah, I mean, we couldn't have done a lot of this stuff without her. Um, so she's amazing. All you guys, the, the live gigs that we've done, the two live gigs that we did are two of my favorite things that I've ever done in broadcasting. Um, the one this summer and last summer. Just so cool. Just so cool. So thank you all is what I'm trying to say for helping us get to 100 episodes and for being a part of this. And we'll do 100 more, hopefully. Hopefully we keep growing. Um, thanks to all the, the, the advertisers and everything. Just everyone, thank you. Thank you all so much. Now let's get into the interview this week. Uh, this week, R-Truth is on the show. R-Truth is a guy, I guess I don't see him doing all that many interviews these days. So I was excited uh, when I had the opportunity to talk to him. He's, got, he's working on music but at the same time hasn't given up wrestling, which I think is is awesome. You know what I mean? Too many people think that they can just give up the wrestling part and move on to the next thing instead of being like, no, I want to do everything. Uh, so I would definitely check out his music and support that. But his career has been pretty prolific. You know, he's been around for a long time. He was in the Attitude Era. He was in TNA. He was all over the place. Um and, and and there's just a lot. He's done a lot, and there's a lot to talk to him about. So I got to sit down. I had R-Truth up here at the SiriusXM studios and uh, got to talk to him about uh, wrestling and everything else he's doing. I hope you enjoy this. Uh, here it is. R-Truth getting rowdy with yours truly. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast Interview. It's been a long time coming, but look who is here with us in the studio. Finally, man. R-Truth, Ronnie Killings. Ron Killings. Ron Killings. Suntan Superman. That's what you're known as, Suntan hey, Superman? Yes. I didn't know. You didn't know that? I didn't know you were Suntan Superman. Yes. Who calls you Suntan Superman? 
Ron the Truth Killings did. That's right. That, that's right. You know, people always say that like you can't create your own nicknames, but I'm like, you definitely can create your own nicknames. That's where nicknames come from. <laughs> you, right? You know what I'm saying? You create them, people around you create them, but nicknames have to relate to the person. Right, right, right. And you are the Suntan Superman. Suntan Superman. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. So what's going on with you? I keep I keep seeing you. I love that uh that that you're everywhere. Like I've been I keep I feel like every time I'm on Twitter, YouTube, whatever it is, your it's your music career that's popping up. But yes. you I feel like you're doing it the right way, right? Cuz a lot of guys will come through and they'll be like, "Well, I'm doing music now." So, no wrestling, just music. And I'm like, I'm, I'm I look at them, I'm like, "That's never going to work." Because the wrestling fans don't want to hear you be like, "I'm done with wrestling. I'm just doing music." They're not going to follow you to music. Exactly. Exactly. And I'll never be done with with none of it, man. Right. I, th- I think each individual knows his or her time limit. Mm-hmm. And mine, it, man, it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. I let God be in control of that. Right now, man, I want to be in any and everything. I want to keep my hands in the pot. Well, nobody, pot, pot, hot. nobody, everybody talks about the guys that have been there forever. They talk about, you know, they talk about Kane's been there forever and Big Show and Goldust and guys like that. But nobody really gives credence to the fact that you've been around forever too like nobody really remembers that that you have been around like just as long as anybody it's crazy like yes you know you and road dog yes are doing the thing in like the early 2000s quick k quick is getting rowdy yeah that you were in the attitude era yes and um i like to call um came up with the name i came up with the name yeah um myself mark henry kane big show uh, the Dudley Boys at mm-hmm. the time when they was there, yeah, and Gold Dust. Uh-huh. We will call ourselves Look L O O K, Last of Our Kind. I like that. And do you really feel like that's? A, and by the way, it also says something because, like, honestly, like you, Mark, absolutely big show. Go, like you guys and the Dudleys too. Bubba coming yes. back. Like you guys are in some of the best shape of your life right now. Yes, you know what I mean. Like, like it's not like. You're watching the old folks home. It's like these guys, you guys are going at going. the rate that everybody else is going. And like, I just saw a picture of the big show. It just looks like he's lost half his body weight. He looks Man, amazing. It's, it's, I don't know where, where it got missed in translation at, but um, in the Attitude Era times, yeah. when you broke at this age, mm-hmm. in your 40s, that's when you were ready to like really rock and roll. Really? Yes. Yes, yeah, so now I guess through... Mother and father time and the essence that's uh-huh. neither here nor there. Right. It's just um, <laughs> we're considered the old guys. Yeah. But we can still go. And and, and I guess that is maybe it's maybe it's it's styles and how much styles have changed, right? Because like like, you know, and they got into it uh, when the Miz and Daniel Bryan had their thing, but you look at a guy like Daniel Bryan, it'd be unheard of for him at like thirty five or whatever to have to walk away from wrestling. But part of that is probably because all of you guys were wrestling a WWE style that's kind of designed for a little more long term. Yes. As opposed to the guys who, when they're young, wrestling like there's no tomorrow because they're young and they can and don't realize that it's all catching up and they're 30, they're 35, and they're falling apart. And you guys are all like, what do you mean you can't go, Junior? You know, they're taking years of their career. Yeah. That's one of the things Booker T always said, like certain things you would do in the ring. Uh, he would always say, taking years off your career, and, and you have to like really like take that into into context. Because when you're young, you don't want to hear that. Like no, it's like, don't. oh, this old man, he just he's just trying to slow yeah, me down yeah. because he thinks he that man, I'm an outsider. I can do it. Yeah. He can't do that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But no, it's it's not, man. It's um, it catches up. Yeah. Now, did you figure that out? Because you're also like a dancer. You're like an in shape dude. 
Did you kind of know that? Because obviously I would think that like dancing would kind of, hip hop dancing would be the same thing. Like if you don't do it right, then by the time you get to a certain age, you can't move anymore. Oh, of course. Right? Yes. You couldn't be no writer. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes, yeah. man. Exactly. Like, you can't uh, be an agent. Like, yes, yeah. Man. And it's like, um, <laughs> if you don't practice, it's almost like riding a bicycle. It'll take you a while to get used to it if you're not doing right. muscle and everything you do in your life have memory. Mm-hmm. And if you don't exercise and do it enough, it's going to deteriorate. But, and it's, and it's, 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 it sucks because, like, your mind, I think that's why, like, in your 40s, you become, you really start to get going because that's when mentally, You've got the wrestling game figured out. You've put your time in. You've seen every scenario possible. It's just a matter of maintaining your body long enough so that your body and your mind can match. And you know, and, and it's not just that part of it. It's the business side of it too, right? It, it's the character side of it. it. Is it goes so much beyond being inside that squared circle and being able to be a mechanic in there, right? It's being able to be, be a mechanic. Outside and inside, behind just closed doors everywhere. Right, right. Figuring out the politics, figuring oh, yes. out yeah, everything. All of everything. That. Just navigating. Everything from the ruler to the tutor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. When did you feel like that you had mastered that? Because you did like, because you did. You you were in WWE for a while. You left. You were in TNA for a while. You left. You popped back. And I think people were surprised at first when you popped back into WWE. Because they figured after the TNA run, like, yes. okay, he had his WWE run, he had his TNA run, he's that done. Yes, he's so. done. And then, like, the run that you've been having over the last few years, people don't remember the TNA run or the first WWE right? run. Which they is don't. probably pretty rewarding that now is the time <clears throat> people are just like, yeah, we're watching him now. He's just always been here. Our truth is just always our truth is our truth. Like, I've always been here. Right. Like, that, like that stuff found just stayed in the corner. Just, he's always been there. Fluffy's always been there, you know? <laughs> no, man, I, I've been around for a while. I've right. learned and soaked the game up as much as I could. I, I've been around some really important people, some very educated people that, that knew this game, man, ins and outs, and taught and let it bleed down on me, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So it's like I was taken up on a lot of people's wing and I was able to learn the business. You know? You're talking about like navigating everything and part of that is also like your character, like you just of said. Of course, yes. So does a younger R-Truth, because you have embraced some of the weirdest stuff that's ever been thrown at anybody and the fact that you've embraced it is why it works. Like when you're going and you're doing ridiculous like you think you're in a ladder match, and they're like, "You're not in this match," and you just go, yes. "My bad." Or you show up to the rumble and you climb the thing, and like because you're committed to it, it works every time. <laughs> but would a younger does a younger R truth be like, "No, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing something stupid like that." Or did you know from a young age, just take what I'm given and make it work? Ever since I was a willing vessel to be taught and learn in this business, uh, I never. I was never afraid to uh, make a fool out of myself. Never, never, <laughs> never. I, I've done that since in school. But I used to come to I used to come to school dressed like James Brown and Bronco Billy, <laughs> just just for no reason at all. You know what right. I'm saying? Nobody asked you to. Nobody even asked me to. You know what I'm saying? And uh, the principal would get so mad that it, he would give me after lunch I could go in the auditorium and entertain the people, and I would just go in there and tell jokes. So because that, he's like, I can't punish this out of him. No, because he was laughing too. He was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like, man, with, with wrestling, it's the same way, man. Um, a younger me. Um, would have had a little bit of that attitude, maybe, mm-hmm. because I didn't know how to do that character. But me coming back, I think I I grew up, I graduated when K Quick left, yeah, and came back. It's almost like I went to college and graduated, and I became back a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I knew who the, who our truth character was. Right. I can be 
your best friend. I could be your worst enemy. I could be happy. Yeah. I could be sad. I can be. I can take you down that emotional roller coaster because I have all those characters in one. How did you feel when you found out? Because to me, I loved, and it, and people have definitely mixed opinions on it. There are people like me who loved it, and there are people who hated it. But when they decided our truth is going to be like our number one bad guy, like we're sending him to the main <laughs> event. It's like there was something about you. You didn't like it. I loved it. I loved it. When you came, you know what I loved? There was a simple thing. When you started smoking the cigarette on TV, I was like, that's it. And, and my wife was next to me, and she goes, he shouldn't be doing that on TV. Kids watch this. And I said, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. He shouldn't be doing that. He's actually a bad guy. He's smoking a cigarette on TV. You can't do that in the 2000s. Yes. And, and I think people saw me as a regular person. Right. Because right after I did that, I... John Morris was like, oh, man, you're an athlete. People look up to you. Kids look up to you. You're smoking a cigarette. I'm like, man, I'm sorry, man. I, I don't do it in front of y'all. I, 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 um, I'm, I'm normal. I make mistakes. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. And it just, people related to that. They yeah. Related to that character, man. And then I got mad because I got exposed for that. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it just, it blossomed. Did, what, was the, what was the reaction like from, did they like you? Like the Vince McMahons of the world, did they like you as, as, as the villain? Oh man, that's that's a hard question. Vince, he don't mind me as a villain. He, he he gave me that because it just went. It came out of nowhere. Right. Vince will always see our truth as a baby face. He just lo- he, he loves me as a baby face. <laughs> I mean, he, um, I'm I'm a, I'm a baby face. I like right. smiling. I like making people smile, laugh. I like flattering people. I just like bringing out emotion to people. And Vince knows that, and he. Like, you can never be a bad guy. You're just too much of a baby face. Right. We tried it once. And you had your main event with Cena. Yes. Not a lot yes. of people get that far. You're you right. know what I mean? You're That's right the, that. You're you don't right. get that moment. The Cena and Rock. Yeah. 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 That was like, I felt that was the pinnacle, man. That was uh, to be in the ring with Cena and Rock. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I remember me and Miz looking at each other and was like, yeah, we, we, we did it. We're here. Right. Regardless of the outcome, we were there. Yeah. How many people can say that they was there? And The Miz is probably feeling the same thing because oh. I feel like The Miz is a guy who's like such a good bad guy. Yes. And just people just <laughs> don't respect a thing that he does. And it's like, and, and you don't Nothing. even, he's another one. He Years <laughs> and years. And he just keeps doing it and doing it. And everybody's yes. like, ah, The Miz, who cares about yes. it? And you're like, he's still... Oh doing it. I he mean, did. just for surviving, he's got to get some kind of credit, right? Something, man. Yeah. Maybe just that, that normal guy that you, he's automatically got heat. He does, right? And automatically. it's like, and, and, and like he gets his WrestleMania main event, and that's the one <laughs> WrestleMania main event that everybody's like, yeah, but that one doesn't count. And he gets the tag match that you guys <laughs> had with Cena and The Rock at the Garden of all places. Of all places. And they're like, yeah, yeah but that, that one doesn't count. count. That's The Rock show. Well, that's you, The Miz, you know? Right. Oh, my gosh. Man. I love it. I love it. <laughs> So who's been who's been your favorite guy to work with then, man? You've worked and and I loved it. Like not only have you worked with so many different people, but it's been different versions of you, right? Like the K Quick Road Dog thing. That was one thing. That was one version of you. When you were with the Miz, that was another version. Now you're with Goldust. Like and it's different. Our Truth K Quick characters. But what what combination has been your favorite? Or do you not even like the tag oh, thing that man. much? Oh man, it's hard to pick. Because each one of those uh, combinations was like at different points in my life. Not only was I with different characters, I was a different character with, with each one of those people. Right. Um, 
me, I, I, I turned on Morrison. Uh, me and Dog, we never turned on each other. We was like just, we was riding the saddle. We was riding, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, um, me and Miz, we was straight, you know what I'm saying, going to get it. It's just, me and Goldust, you know, happy-go-lucky, jokey guy. I mean, each one of those guys have a whole different, put like this, to make that cake, they all add a whole different type of recipe to it. Right, 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 right. And you wouldn't have been, like, you now wouldn't have been able to make that work then, just like you then couldn't have made this work yes, now. exactly. Right, right, right. Now, what about that? Yeah, the, the, the tag team with Dolph. When you find out that you're going on TV in hot, in hot pants, you've been wearing baggy jeans. You've been wrestling in baggy jeans for, what, 15 years. Like, you've had... Six, 17 years, 17 man. years, you had your baggy jeans. Yes. Looking cool. And then you find out... When do you find... Do you find out that night, okay, you're wearing some of Dolph's trunks when you go out tonight? Yes. And man, you're going to no, do the... It, they they kind of, like, tried to, like, persuade me into it, man. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I, I just walked in... And they're like, uh, hey, um, you and Dolph doing the uh, you know twin thing again. I was like, oh, cool. They were wondering, um, you work your legs a lot, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, what me working my legs got to do with this? I'm like, no, just ask, just ask, do you work your legs? They just suggested and thought maybe you probably would try on a pair of do. I said, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I said, I'm not putting them on. And then when I walked in. Dolph, and they're pink, by the way. They're, they're pink, pink and shiny. <laughs> Hot pink and shiny. They're latexy. Oh, my goodness. I walked in and saw Dolph, man, and he was like, Brother, like, give me a pair of your tights. Give me a pair of the tights. Yes. And they were shocked to see because I have very. I yeah, you had football. some legs on you. Yes. Look at those things. That's yeah. incredible. Yes, I do have. I just don't. You don't show them off, though. That's a secret I, weapon. I just, I like to go to the ring, me. Right. Right, and you're not wearing hot pants in your regular life, huh? <laughs> no. There's no magic I'm mic. I'm not going to go about even hot pants, so, you know what I'm saying? So I, I like to go me, uh, representing me. I feel like uh, me in the jeans, pretty much 90% of people out there are going to be in jeans, too. Right, right. So that's one of the relatable facts that I got with them instantly. Right, until that one day. Until that one day. We know what he looks like under the yeah, jeans, though. Yeah, this isn't exactly. what we were expecting. Um <laughs> and and then did you have to learn the Dolph Ziggler dances too, or did you? Yes, know? I had to go back and watch. You did. Did you study I, the tape? I, oh, I was having fun studying the tape. <laughs> yes, I was having fun studying it, man. And I was I was kind of like disappointed when they stopped that because I was having fun with it. Yeah, yeah. You never tried male stripping in your life. <laughs> <laughs> you never had a male stripper period before. <laughs> Okay, excuse me. Um, <laughs> okay, now, I'm going to say this because, like, stuff has, has a way of coming back on people and stuff like that. Right. right? So, like, um, way, way back, back. We're talking way, way back, back. Way like, back. When I, like, wouldn't, wouldn't listen to people and, and, like, I wouldn't even pay people no attention to stuff. Like, still trying to grind. I did a little bit of it. A little bit? I yeah, thought there might be bit. something in there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had an inkling. I was like, listen, yeah, truth knows how to dance. <laughs> And he works out his whole body, and he's always been about making money. So as a young man, maybe you don't have the opportunities to be on oh, WWE man. TV, but we want to entertain. I sucked at it, though. You did? You weren't a good oh, stripper? My, no, man. No. <laughs> I sucked at it bad, man. Why did you suck at it? Cause did you feel silly? or? No, I, didn't, I did feel silly after a while. When you start feeling silly, yeah. you're going to start doing silly things. Yeah. So um, I, was just, I wasn't feeling it, man. It's like... These I'm watching these guys do their thing and they're like you know they don't do and they're like really dancing and stuff yeah. like I'm like I'm not like doing hip hop dancing right and that's not 
No. You're like putting, totally you're putting, <laughs> putting cardboard out on the dance floor. <laughs> like B-Boy. And they're I like, what are you doing? I actually did a 360 flip on the stage <laughs> in my boots, man. <laughs> then I didn't want to wear the boots, and I went in tennis shoes. So I, I was just doing it all wrong. Yeah, they're like, look, just go out there and rub on these ladies. That's all they're looking for, man. <laughs> I did it all wrong, man, so I, that, that wasn't for me. No, it wasn't. Nah. But you had to learn, though, because otherwise you'd always question that. Yes, you know his question. question. Yes, yes. Could I do that? Could yes, I do that? You're right. But now, now, do your do, does your does your family all know that that was in your past? You got a wife. You got children. You yeah, got. Do my wife? I think my wife knows. <laughs> I think she's more embarrassed of it. Like, you think probably, so? Because yeah, she she knows me well, and she knew I would probably go in there doing hip hop dance. And <laughs> she's she like, like, "What are you, you doing? Can't do that. <laughs> yeah, it's not dancing. Yeah, I'm doing routines. It's like, no, you don't do that. You do the male dance. You don't do that. <laughs> no, that's not. Everybody's looking at me, so they thought it was entertaining. <laughs> did you ever? Uh, did you work with any big hip hop acts growing oh, up? Yes, man. Um, I was actually a show opener for a lot of guys. Who were you? Who'd you open for? Chubb Rock, Tracy Spencer, um, Kwame, um, oh my goodness, people used to come to Charlotte. Uh, anywhere that people used to come to uh, around North Carolina area, right? I would open up for them. And what did they just find out about you? There's this kid in Charlotte. Well, actually, was working with uh, I was working with uh, production companies and talent agencies there, and they would put on know about put shows, shows together. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now. How did you end up leaving that for wrestling? Because that seems like one of those things, especially when you're doing shows. You know, you go, I think I can make this work, but then you end up wrestling. Wrestling wasn't on my mind then. I was. Um, did you grow up watching wrestling? I did grow up watching wrestling, but it wasn't something where you were like, "That's what I'm going to do." Not at all. Right. Not at all. Um, okay, let's take you on this road right quick. Yeah. Um, while I'm pursuing music, that was my main goal: music, getting out in the entertainment business. I'm pursuing music. So I was hustling on the same at the same time. Mm -hmm. I was hustling and um, got jammed up. Went and done some time. Met Jack Crockett. Um, now, when I went to jail, my sister brought some pictures down for me. Like I had done met Tupac Shakur, Easy E. I've seen the Tupac photo. I've met so many people, man. Uh, like way back in the days, EPMD, Sinbad, like people like our age guys. Way back, yeah. Then, I was around those guys. So back then, I was a celebrity to the. The guys at home, you know? So right. my sister brought out my pictures when I was locked up just to like give me inspiration, you know, keep my head up. A lot of the deputies saw the pictures. By the way, picture of Tupac to keep your head up. <laughs> I see what you did there. That is, right? <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. So uh the deputies and the CEOs saw those pictures and man, they would like give me like they would treat me good. They didn't give I uh, see, I thought you were gonna say they were gonna give you a hard time because like, no. oh Mr. Hollywood's in no, here. We'll no, teach him a lesson. Man, no, they like we it. came up with a plan, yes. They would let me work out, man, when everybody go to sleep. Wow. I stayed in shape. I was entertaining the prisoners, man, like dancing and doing a little thing, you know, a little funny guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I didn't know I didn't know who Jack Crockett was at the time. Right. I just knew WCW, NWA was in the South. Mm -hmm. that. So one of the guards was like, um, hey, man, if we help you get somebody that has a lot of money to get, uh, invest in your music, we want to work for you and start working for the... Uh, for the system, I'm like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, so right. they was, yeah, there was a big plan, man. So they were trying to find, look at everybody's rap. She trying to find somebody to invest in my music. Crockett went to them and asked who I was, mm -hmm. and so the guy came to me and said, "Hey, Jack Crockett, man, uh, they brought wrestling to the south. He's interested in you." He and you were in big jail shape by then, right? I was like two thirty. Okay, two thirty. Uh, and it was like, yeah, I was a young me. I was right. Yeah, right. Suntan Superman. <laughs> Suntan Superman. Yeah. So it was like, um, met Jack Crockett. And I'm talking to him, dog, and it's like he's like, "Oh, you man, you have a nice look. You're very athletic and you're talented. Um, I want to give you a job." Now, the young me, 
I'm thinking he talking about you may go cut some damn grass or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Or who has some flower beds or something yeah. like that. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'll give you a, I'll give you a call when I get out. Get out of jail. By the way, what a different time that was, huh? That he's oh, like, I meet this guy in jail. He's like, when I when you get out of jail, give me a call, and we can and we can do some business. Actually, gave me his real phone number. It's crazy. What a different time. Real phone number. Yeah. No, you wouldn't do that now. No, no, no. But, uh, <laughs> I actually turned him down because I got out. Then I started robbing people there. I figured I wouldn't rob, you know, nobody worked on it. They just living, you know what I'm saying? Right. But um, did that, got caught again. <laughs> so where were, you, where were you robbing people? Um, where people was at. Gotcha. Uh, Got, but not people making honest, like, <laughs> you're saying other criminal, whatever. Criminal, yeah, because you can't right. call the police and say I took nothing. Right. Smart. So you, you see know, somebody on the corner, so, it's like, now nah, that's yeah, mine. Yeah, I get what you're yeah. saying. Okay, 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 okay. So, man, I just went from that to, like, um, all of a sudden, man, my, my whole role got slowed down completely. Went back. Um... I uh, went back for like six months this time, man. I was at the point I had a kid now. I done had two kids. And I was like, okay, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with my life. I yeah. got to do something. This music thing ain't like doing the right thing. And I guess the second time you go to jail, that's like when you realize. Oh, that like, wasn't the second time. That was the second time I did a long time. <laughs> so at that point, you're like, this is becoming habitual. Yes. I can't make a habit out of this. That's what it was. When you realize this is oh, now like that, that thing that you hear about people, I'm that guy now. Man, you go to there's there were guys going and coming back before I got out, <laughs> and I'm like, man, it's a cycle. It's yeah. like, um, and I had to like self. I had some people in there. That, there are smart people that's in there. Right. Some of the smartest people in there, man. When it's Jamaican that talked to me and told me, like, you hear some of my music. I talk about that. Those people was telling me, man, you can't do that on the street. I mean, like, these people make this. They put it out there. You're trying to hustle it and sell it. You, you're not going to win. I mean, I was getting taught that while I was in the system. You know what I'm saying? So when right. I came out. I was a willing vessel. I wanted to be helped. I wanted to do something. I didn't want to do what I was doing, what I was in control of, because I was messing it all up. Right. So I called Crockett and told him, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Came and picked me up again. Wow. Took me out to eat. And he said, this won't cost you nothing but time and dedication. And uh, paid for me to get trained. He did? Yes, he did. Man, oh, paid man. Paid for me to get trained, man. Told me uh, God wanted him to get back to me. And I haven't seen Crockett since then. Really? No, I haven't. Wow, but yeah. you're like forever grateful though in your head. Oh, in my my soul. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's amazing. And then the journey just begins, and you just stayed with it. You stay with you ride it, man. Either you're gonna ride or fall off of it. So is that does 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 politics in the wrestling business become a little easier to deal with when you know how rough things get in real life? You know what I'm saying? Like yes, when you do I, some time in jail, when you have to deal with life on the streets, when you do this stuff, is it like? a little easier to swallow some of the politics in wrestling because you've seen harder times. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. And I, I have, you know, this too. There's a lot of people that's in politics that's been to jail for robbery too, just not... <laughs> right. Stuff, you know what I'm saying? So yes. We're all in the same boat here, you know what I'm saying? So it's just a matter of like being able to politic with politics. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? I get that. Just work life. Figure it all out. You have to work it. Yeah. It doesn't come with a handbook. Right, right. That's about, it's about, I mean, and I'm sure this is what you picked up there, where you started to pick up there and continued as you went in the wrestling yes. business, is just being aware of your surroundings, who to listen to, who not to listen to. Pick your battles. Right, picking your, and that's, that's, again, we go back to why it all kind of connects when you're like 40 years into life, and you're like, got it. Mature. Mature. You found your maturity. Oh, man. It, it's, uh... So do you raise your, you must raise your kids with that knowledge now, though. Always, yeah. My, my, um, like, because you know all the tricks. Like, they, they act the same way I act. They do. They yes, act the same way you act now. Yes. Not well, the same well, way you acted. Actually, as a, as a kid, I, I remember certain things as a kid. What I can't remember 
Uh, my daughters, <laughs> they're doing now. You know what I'm saying? My, my sons, they're doing now. But the maturity, the the, the grind, right. the believing in yourself, the determination, the I done did an example of messing your life up. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to do that to yours. Right, you know right. What I'm so, so you tell them all about that. Oh, I don't have nothing for my kids. Yeah, that's because, the smartest you know thing you could do. And I hate parents that do it. I, I'm not saying I hate parents that do, but it's like, I think that we as parents should teach our kids because if we don't, TV and the streets will. You know yeah. what I'm like, And by the way, that stuff you went through looks a lot more glamorous on TV <laughs> than it does in real life, right? Right. So it's better to hear it from you. <laughs> then they hear it from like, oh no, I could be the king in there. That's kind of cool. And but oh no, 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 no kings in there. Right? No, you're going to do your time. Man. Right? You know what I'm saying. So this is even like, I mean, the R Truth story is an even better story based on the fact that after all that, now all the, the Vince McMahon, who's like the king of this world of entertainment. All he can see you as is a happy guy who likes to put smiles on people's faces. <laughs> like that's amazing, and it's and you know the most amazing part is it's like it's true. Yes, like that's who you are. Let me ask you about something. I've been wanting to ask you about this for months now, since because I observed it. I was at Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. I was sitting up close. I think you were. I think you were wrestling Adam Rose. I think, and halfway through the match, your pants came undone. Your belt came out. And you're, yeah, you, you're, whoa, whoa, I was you there. I remember that because I was watching you, and you were like, "Oh no!" And you started holding your pants. You started holding my pants and trying to fight at the I, same time. You know yeah, what I'm saying? and then you realized it wasn't going to. The match had to end early. It was very obvious to me yes. that you had to wrap this thing up because you were not going to keep your pants on. Oh man, there was some new pants. I've been working, working like the glutes and stuff, and yeah. now I done gained a little bit of weight down there. Uh huh. And uh, man, when I put them on, and I'm asking the guy, I'm like. Do these look too tight? Like, nah, they look good, dog. You straight put them on. Put them on. <laughs> dog, so I did my leg, Larry, man, twist out of it. Like, not only did the button pop, right. the zipper, like, popped off of it. So there's no way you're getting, the there's zipper's no gone. The zipper's gone. So I, I'm fighting like this right here all yeah. the time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, man. And, uh, you were good. The only reason I saw, I was close up. So that's why I was able to see it because you were really good at hiding it. I like, was trying to everything in your power, and I saw like you even like you did the like crouch over hand up thing, like whatever selling the ribs or the my back or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. my stomach! <laughs> so nobody could yeah. tell that you're trying to hold your yes. pants up. And just oh get, man, you still saw that? <laughs> just get. I saw it. Wow. I saw it. I was so. That's happened so many times though. It has. Yes, it's happened. That you've lost your pants. Like maybe you got to switch to the hot pants. Dolph what? never loses his did pants. Come, did they come down? No, they didn't come. No, 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 they didn't come all the way down. You held them up. You held them up. One time they came almost down, (laughs) and I'm like running. You know what I'm saying? Like I had to like really pull. Good thing I had shorts on up under there. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. Yes, it's happened occasionally, man. You lose your pants sometimes. I almost did that night. That night, almost, almost. Yeah, that was that was a little different than the than the rock match, the match with Adam Rose where you almost lost your pants. Yes, a little Uh. different. That's two sides to the coin, though, I guess. Yes, hopefully no more of those nights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one would hope, one would hope. So oh, here's the other question I want to ask you. At what point, because I was, like, taken aback by it a little bit, what made you start saying, whoop, there it is, like nowadays? You know what I mean? Like, when you started know, going man, in the ring, so... like, like you go in the ring. I, I always like <laughs> that you wrap yourself to the ring, because I don't think anybody <clears throat> knows how difficult that is to do. And I see they you got the no clue. you got the in ear thing. Yes. So you're staying on beat the whole time. You're always doing it live. Not the, like you got a you don't have a backing vocal track, which is crazy to me because I listen for that stuff. Because you know, thank you, yeah, man, for uh, bringing that out. There's no Thank backing you. vocal to it. 
You're actually rapping live. You're paying attention to fans. You're giving them, which is yes. like instantly. And like you're, you got to get in the ring without falling over. You got to climb up the stairs. Yes. You got to take awareness of of the fact that you're in this building full of people. So I've always liked that you've done that because that seems impossible. Man, it's uh, I love doing it. it for for that moment. I think that's my my shine. Right. They don't have to give me nothing else in the ring because every single time I come down and do that entrance, man, when I'm finished, I get applauded. Yeah, yeah, you always get applauded, and like you did, you changed it up now for the gold dust thing. Yes. But you did what's up for years, and like at no point did you get booed coming out. Every time you come out, yes, what's up? Yes. Now, uh, but what I, I was sitting there. One time, and and you go like, "What's up?" What? And everybody goes, "What's up?" And then you go, "Whoop!" There it is. And I was like, "Did he do that just now?" And then you start doing it at every show. And look, people loved it, and they they wait for it now. But I was like, "Wait, this is like, like what Men on a Mission used to do in like '93." Did they do that? I think so. But that was when that was when Whoop There It Is was like the biggest song ever. Oh, I don't think they was ever hot as I am, though. I don't think so. No, no, no. And I don't think my kid would even remember who they are. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Now it's what's up. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, Whoop, there is just something that... um, You just did it one night? I just did it one night and kept doing it. (laughs) Yeah. I think um, uh, Daniel Bryan kept messing with me about it. Him and Cena kept... They were trying to get me to come and say all kind of, oh, you should do all kind of old slogans. Like, yeah. you down with old me? I'm like, man, I'm not doing <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah, man. Like, they were trying to get me to do so many things. I just stuck with whoop there is. You overseas? Yeah. Huge. Really? They would like shout whoop there it is during the match. <laughs> whoop, da, da, da. Whoop. Everywhere. You know what I'm saying? They love it, man. They love it. And by the way, the group that's saying that was called Tag Team. It's back again. Right. Yes. But who's ever, Tag Team's doing nothing. And our truth I'm keeping them alive. Right. Yes, you are. I'm yes, tag you team are. alive. One day, Shout out some, to tag team. somewhere tag team is watching wrestling going like, <laughs> they still love it. They still love it. Hey, they pop every time. <laughs> so, that was, so, so Daniel Bryan and John Cena were trying to get you to do other slogans. Oh, man, yes, man. <laughs> that, that, was, uh, that was one of the craziest nights. They had so many different slogans, man. Um, I know you down with OPP was one. Um, <laughs> and Daniel Brown was with the crazy ones, man. He was trying to make up ones for me to come out with. Just man, to like- I'll tell you that the best thing about like talking smack, and I saw it on the table for three that Daniel Bryan did on the network, uh-huh. was that I don't think anybody's realized what a ball buster that guy is. Yeah. <laughs> Until like we saw him oh. picking on Ryback on the table for three, and then on the on the talking smack, like it's it's all he does is busting balls, yes, and he does. That, that's uh, <laughs> that's him at work all the time, <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, he's always busting my balls everywhere, <laughs> always. <laughs> oh man, well, uh, you love? Do you like the the position you're in now with Goldust? It seems like you and Goldust are having a a good time doing what you're doing. I'm having fun doing it, man. I want us to start uh, going for some titles now. Doing the tag yes. team title thing? I'll do the title thing, man. Uh, get a good run in there. Uh, make the young guys step up a little bit. Is there a thing, like, even, even like, a, like a generational thing? Because, like, we watched the Stone Cold podcast. I don't know if you saw it that Dean Ambrose did. And Austin was telling him, like, you need to step it up. Like, when that's what you hear from the older generation guys is the younger guys need to step it up. The younger guys need a little bit of fire. The younger guys need this. Like, when you're in that locker room, because you're a guy... Who I mean, you've shared a locker room with The Rock 
before he was like when he was on the come up. Yes. Like you, you these guys, you shared a locker room with Stone Cold when he was on the come up. Yes. Like these guys who had that fire and turned it into something. Like is there is there a difference in the locker room today, or is it just a different business? I think it's a little bit of both. It is. It's a little bit of both, and um, only the older guys and the older generation know what we mean when we say step it up. Right. And it's, uh, wrestling has transitioned so much now to where it is, is a whole different sport. It's nothing like the Attitude Era was. Nothing. And you could do the simplest thing, and it meant so much back then. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. To where now you have to do a thousand things for it to mean a little of something. You right. You know what I'm saying? So it's, I think it's just a matter of everybody's taking this piece of the older and the younger and just collabing both together. Figuring it out. Yes. But you know what? I mean, sometimes if you do it right, there's a little moment. Like I'm telling you, and I think I, had, I, think I texted you right after it happened. That moment in the rumble where you pull a ladder out from under the ring and start climbing it is like one of the highlights of the match. Like it was all like you had your 10 <laughs> seconds on TV. You had no time. Like we're not giving, you're not, you're getting 10 seconds in this match. Yes. And you're like, yeah, but you know what? That's the, that's the time that people are going to remember. Whose idea was it to bring the ladder out in the rumble? Mine. It was, it was yes. your idea. Yes. I asked Vince and, um, when I asked him, he started laughing immediately. He did? Yes. I always hear about Vince McMahon's humor. So I always try, when I'm watching the show, I try to gauge in my head from what I know from talking to all you guys. Yes. What I think Vince is like really popping for, you know? Yeah, man, he's, um, he, Vince likes to keep you on your toes. He does. Oh, yeah. He, uh, he'll keep you on your toes, but, um, he's a cool dude, man. You have a good relationship uh, with him? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he laughed at the ladder thing? Yes. He, he loved that. Him, yes. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think I, uh, I think I text him. And he texted back with a bunch of laughing with the crying, yes. He texted emoji yeah. constant. He texted yeah. like the he emoji. It was either L-O-L-L-O-M-A. I know he popped as soon as he saw the text. Yeah, but you know what? The fact that Vince McMahon, I mean, I think this is breaking news. He, whether he said LOL or he sent you emojis, like the idea of Vince McMahon using emojis <laughs> is like to something like me and I think a lot of wrestling fans that listen, mind-blowing and amazing. This is very Tech savvy. He is. Very tech savvy. I mean, I, look, the WWE Network is light years ahead of what a lot of people are doing. You know? So he's got to be, but I mean, he's sending you crying faces. He loved it. Emojis. He loved it. He loved it. That's so great. That's so great. Well, let's let's talk about, uh, about what we were talking about at the beginning of this, which is what you're doing now, as well as wrestling, okay. is that the music yes. seems like it's, it's, it's popping off. You had a, a, a single... That did pretty well, it seemed like. Yes, you know, uh, just in terms of, like, getting it out there online. Getting it out there, man, online. Um, getting some stars beside him now. Yeah. Um, I've been doing so much stuff, man, like uh, with, with wrestling and being a father, being a husband. Um, I've been doing a little bit of uh, opening shows, getting on tours with people. Last one I did was with Tech 9 Oh, that's cool. And I'm uh, thinking about getting on some more. Yeah. And I'm uh, just letting the music marinate for a little bit. But I'm getting some stars on me, getting some popularity time now. Yeah. Um, a couple of DJs, man, um, emailed me from Dubai wanting to play it. So, oh, really? Yes. So I'm, I'm getting a lot of people, man, a lot of love from a lot of places. And it's cool too because uh, it's just a, it's it's a smart way to do it, in the sense that, like we said, you're not making anybody think wrestling is not your focal point. Right. But it's like all these wrestling fans can turn around and go, oh, when we don't see him on TV, this is what Truth this is, is what doing over doing. here. Yes. And and you're right too to to sit there and say like, well, when I come on TV, I'm going to be me. 
Yes. Because then when you're yourself and you're rapping, nobody's like, oh, this isn't the R-Truth from TV. It's the yes. same. It's same it's dude. you. Yes. It's you. The same cat. And it's also amazing to think, because like you said, you before wrestling, you were doing music. So to think like you took a 20-year hiatus kind of. Yes. Figured yourself out. And now it's like, okay, let me go back to, to what I was doing. And, man, and you have to think about it, man. Um, when when The Undertaker come out, when you hear that thong, right. it doesn't change. That's, that's The Undertaker. Right. When you hear the glass break, you know it's Austin coming out. When you hear so, whoop, there it is, you know, you know it's our truth. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know it is. There it is. Yes, <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? That's right. No, that's 100% right. What rappers are you, are you listening to now, or who would you want to collaborate with if you could? Oh, man. Um... I'm loving some little boots here. Yeah? Yeah, I listen to a lot of little boots here. Uh, still into my park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think uh, of Definitely Wayne? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um What do you think of, of of the trend mumble rap is big now. Everybody loves mumble rap now. Who's that? Like like just just the genre of like everything is like like designer like the whole Double XL, yeah, yeah. The whole Double XL freshman class is mumble rap. I'm too old school to get. I mean, it sounds good, right? But that's like people say that about me, and like I heard James Brown, like you understand what he said, but it sounds good. You know what I'm saying? Right. It sounds good, but it's like I'm so old school to where I think there are rappers. Then you got people that rhyme. You know what I'm saying? Real rappers, man. We we tell stories. So you're like like an old like a lyricist. Yes. Man. Yes. You have to. You have, I like to get to deliver a story in my rhymes. Yeah. Not not just to like be, just to like. Hey, it's good for who it works for, but it wouldn't work for me. Right. I don't think I, I, I'm a storyteller. Right, right, right. And unlike a lot of these rappers, you've actually been to jail, so you got some things to talk yes, about. You know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Where can people Where can people uh, get the music right now? iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, everywhere, everywhere. Um, do those Spotify streams do they add up? Like, if people, I'm hoping to add up. <laughs> we'll find I'm out, right? They do yeah, we're gonna find out. Well, here's the trick. Here's what I would suggest people do. Go to Spotify, stream that music, and what do they look up on Spotify? What's the name of the album? Killing It. Killing It. Yes, Ron right. Killings. Look up. Ron Killings. And uh, my um, website, theofficialronkillings.com. Go to theofficialronkillings.com. You look it up on Spotify. You listen to the music, and then when you're like, yeah, I can get down with this, then buy it on iTunes. Well, there, it there it is. You see? Truth. Thanks so much for hanging out, man. Oh, I'm glad man, we did thanks this. Thanks for having me on here. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, and anytime you're back in New York, you got a spot to hang, man. Let's do that. I'm going to do it every time I'm back in New York. Definitely let me know. Thank you, buddy. You got it. Thank you. Here is Sam Roberts. Our truth ladies and gentlemen. Isn't he absolutely great? He is a wealth of information. I could talk to him. I Hopefully, I'll have him back on the show because I could do multiple parts with him. I didn't even know his history in jail and all that. He's a guy who needs to write a book after everything he's seen, and to me... The greatest takeaway of all was the fact that Vince McMahon texts emojis. Can you imagine getting emojis from Vince? Oh, my life would be made. My life would be made. Uh, that interview will end up on YouTube. Uh, the interview with Cody Rhodes that was on last week's podcast is up on YouTube. If you haven't seen it yet, the whole thing is up there live in Rahway, New Jersey before the WrestlePro show. And uh, it's really, I really like the interview. I love the R-Truth interview, to tell you the truth. The last two shows, um, and I'm sure the one before that was good. I just don't remember what it was off the top of my head. But the last two shows have been two of my favorites, definitely. Um, so check that out, youtube.com slash notsam and notsam.com, and you'll see. You'll see Cody Rhodes uh, looking very good, 
Looking dashing, as a matter of fact. And part of looking dashing is making sure that you have smooth skin. You know what I mean? You got to make sure that your face looks good. And in order to do that, you got to get the right razor. I've got good news for you, though. You don't need to choose between price and quality to get that amazing and affordable shave. You can have both. You know how? DollarShaveClub.com. Yes, to prove how amazing their shave really is, right now they're going to give you your first month free if you join the club. This is a great deal, guys. I'm going to tell you how it's done. DollarShaveClub.com delivers amazing razors right to your door, and it's a third of the price of what those greedy razor companies charge. Seriously, I have no reason to deal with the drugstore hassle and the battle for locked up uh, razors anymore. I don't do it anymore. And you won't either if you join Dollar Shave Club. You know those razors that get all locked up at CVS? No, you don't have to deal with that. I don't. I get my razors in the mail. Uh, first, you get a, I get a first-class shave, and you will too, when you use the executive blade. Uh, and when I use the uh, Dr. Carver's shave butter, the blade just gently, gently glides for the smoothest shave ever. You can go to dollarshaveclub.com, pick a razor that works for you from their lineup of amazing blades. That's all there is. With Dollar Shave Club, you can look, smell, and shave like a million bucks but you don't have to shell out that much for it. Here's your chance to see why over 3 million members, like primetime Sam Roberts, love Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club is so confident in the quality of all their products. Now you can get your first month of Dollar Shave Club for free. Just pay shipping. After that, it's just a few bucks a month, no long-term commitments, no hidden fees. There's no reason not to do it. Get your Dollar Shave Club. Get yours now at dollarshaveclub.com slash Sam. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Sam. Your first month is free. Shave your face, you neck beard. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash Sam. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. And now it's time. A lot goes on. You know, a lot of the stuff that's on my mind in terms of wrestling, because that's what state of wrestling has become. It's what's on my mind in the world of wrestling. And a lot of it is non-WWE this week. I got to tell you about going to House of Hardcore. I got You know what? I'm not going to tell you about what I'm going to tell you about. I'm just going to tell you about it in the state of wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Before we get into the state of wrestling, I was able to talk to Rikishi about what the Usos were doing. Uh, but this is the 100th state of wrestling, I guess, right? If this is episode 100, this would technically be the 100th state of wrestling. I feel like we've gotten a lot done. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so I want to talk about, let's talk about some non-WWE things. Uh, I guess we'll start with the vignettes that TNA has been putting out. It appears very much to be Cody Rhodes coming to TNA. And if you listened to the podcast last week, you heard Cody basically say that he would be doing everything that he intends on doing on the list it would be convenient timing, being that Brandy Rhodes is definitely a part of TNA. And, I mean, I don't know why you would put out... When, when everybody kind of knows that Cody Rhodes will be in TNA eventually, I don't know what TNA would stand to benefit by putting out a man checking his cuffs when we all know Cody has been showing up to every indie show in a beautiful suit. I mean, it was probably custom-made. Look at the YouTube video of the interview that I did with him. It's up now. You can see for yourself how good the guy looks. And then it says all roads lead to Impact Wrestling. Roads, that's a pun. If it's not Cody Rhodes, then they've made a terrible, terrible mistake. But I think that's what it is. 
I think it's Cody Rhodes. And, man, I'm excited. There's a lot of guys TNA needs. You know, there's rumors popping up about WWE looking into buying TNA, which would be ironic because then you'd end up in a scenario where, you know, EC3 and and Damian Sandow and Cody Rhodes and all the all the Island of Misfit Toys would be under WWE contracts, at least to some extent one would think, again, uh, it will never happen. And I, I, I could get into the whole thing, but I feel like I should make a YouTube video explaining why WWE is not going to buy TNA. There's, number one, there's no value. And number two, WWE actually stands to benefit more by allowing TNA to just grow. TNA actually has some potential right now. TNA is actually in a position... There's a lot of talent that TNA is getting and should continue to get. They should be doing everything they can to get a guy like Ricochet. They should be doing everything they can to get Sammy Callahan. They should be doing everything they can to get Adam Cole. All these guys that don't have WWE contracts, even if it means TNA needs to get more lax with their contracts in terms of where else guys appear, that's fine. Because TNA doesn't run house shows anyway, yet. So if they were able to to load up on guys that have a reputation, then that's the direction. TNA is never... TNA is not going to prosper on exclusive talent. TNA is going to prosper on being the only place where you can see that talent on national television. El Rey and Lucha Underground, they have their own thing going on. And honestly... If you watch Prince Puma on Lucha Underground, it's not going to take away from what Ricochet is doing in TNA. And again, I don't know what contract issues arise. I don't know what kind of deals New Japan and Lucha and Ring of Honor and this and that and this and that have. But all those places should be working together at this point. None of those places are big enough that they're going to actually compete with WWE. But they're all big enough that they provide alternatives to WWE. And they provide additions to WWE. It's stuff that you could be watching. Nobody's gonna, Nobody in big numbers, anyway, is going to give up on WWE for any of those organizations. But if they were all working together, the way Ring of Honor and New Japan are, but if Ring of Honor and New Japan and Lucha and Impact all kind of came together, and they didn't all become one thing, but they all realized that they're going to be stronger partners than they are opponents to use wrestling terminology, and they came together and said, look, let's let the talent kind of float among the organizations. Because you're not going to get talent diluted because, oh, I just saw him in Lucha, I don't know, especially since Lucha has off-seasons. And like, what? oh, I just saw him in New Japan, I don't want to watch him on Impact. That's ridiculous. They can be doing different things. You can run it like the territory system, where guys can leave for a little while. I mean, how how cool would it be? If the Lucha Underground champion is fighting the Impact champion. If the TNA champion ends up going to, to New Japan, for instance, to defend his title there. You have all these possibilities if there's an active partnership going on with all of these. And, and, then, you have real competition. The real competition starts to exist when everything is unified. There's either WWE or there's everything else. That's what you have to be. You have to be part of everything else. There's no individual second organization. But you can actually create an everything else. That's something. 
that's multiple organizations that are kind of combined and partnered that can create something, they can make some money, they can build some buzz, they can do all this stuff across several different audiences. You know? And then you've got TNA in a position where they can use the Young Bucks. And then you've got New Japan in a situation where they can use Bobby Lashley. And it doesn't mean that every single member of the roster is going to be a part-time member of the roster. It doesn't mean that at all. I mean, look at TNA's schedule. They film six weeks of TV at a time, which means you've got a month and a half where nobody's doing anything. You schedule it the right way, and you've got a regular roster of all-stars if you schedule it the right way. And if you ease up on the idea that, well, you know, they have to be exclusive. Because there's no money in exclusivity. Exclusivity is not the future. You have to make this stuff available. And I think that that's the move that TNA needs to think about doing. But they have... It's it's clear to me that Billy Corgan has some good ideas. And that Billy Corgan's the one that should be running this thing. And I talked to Matt Hardy a little bit. Broken Matt Hardy. And he was difficult to understand. Because he speaks like he speaks. But, you know, Billy Corgan had a lot to do with, for instance, the Deleter Decay video that we talked about on the podcast. And I said I really liked it. Because it's unique. Because it's storytelling. And because now... You're talking about pushing something forward. The Broken Matt Hardy storyline was something compelling and something that got a lot of people talking. And now that you've uh, added decay to it and you've done it in a way where it's still compelling, now that storyline is really being pushed forward into a wrestling ring. And that's where you need to take it. And that's where it is being taken. Um, so t- TNA is in, has this little glimmer of hope right now. And Cody Rhodes is only going to add to that. You know, Cody Rhodes can do really cool stuff over in TNA. But... It needs to be looked at the right way. And WWE should hope and pray that there's an alternative. Because then you're going to back yourself into a corner where you have to perform well. You know, they say the hardest part of being champion is defending your title. But if there's nobody to defend your title against, then champions get flabby. Fighters. MMA fighters. When you see them in an octagon... They're in amazing shape. They don't walk around looking like that. They walk around at a completely different weight. If they stop fighting altogether, they don't maintain that. But while they're fighting, they look ready for war. And that's what happens when you've got competition. And that translates into every form of business. And that translates into full promotions. When you've got something to fight, then you're ready for war. I went to the uh, House of Hardcore show. It was my first... House of Hardcore show that, I, show that I've been to. Uh, it was the one they did at the ECW Arena in Philly over the weekend. Kurt Hawkins had his like 19th farewell to the Indies match. Which, by the way, the addition of Kurt Hawkins' voices, him doing like like accents in his uh, vignette this week on SmackDown, loved it. Loved it. Any, any the, the more personality, the better. It's just so weird. It's odd and it's fun. I really I enjoy it very very much. But I got to see that uh, Hornswoggle was there. I got to catch up with him. As I said, the main event, of course, House of Hardcore is Tommy Dreamer's promotion that uh, they kind of run when they run. But they're touring now. Their schedule for December is amazing. You go to the House of Hardcore website and you can find out when they're going to be in your town or whatever. But I was so happy to see them in the old ECW arena because it's been renovated and everything, but it's still. It's still the same box. You know, I got to talk to Joey Styles, who was at the show, uh, just briefly, and just talk to him about the fact that, you know, 
he was looking at this arena. And, the, I mean, the arena now has air conditioning. It has a lighting rig. It has all this stuff that it never had before. But he said it is still the same venue. And it is, it's a special place to watch it, especially for me, who grew up watching ECW. So I got to see the speech that you can find it all over the place. It, it, it was online. But Terry Funk came out and gave this speech. I guess he's going through some medical issues and he may not be back in a ring. And But just watching him one last time, you know, barely legal, was what? I started watching, I started watching ECW from that arena in 1996. I think barely legal was April of 97. 19 years later, I finally got to sit in the ECW arena and watch Terry Funk come out to the Eagles singing Desperado. It was like, I got chills. Goose, goosebumps. Goosebumps. Running down my arm because it was like, this is it. And I didn't even know that I would have a reaction to it. But I was like, that's it. This is the moment. And Tommy puts on these shows in such a way where it, like, you kind of get that nostalgic feel for ECW. But it doesn't rely on it. Um, uh, Chris Hero and Tony Nese had an amazing match. Because you see guys that you know would have been stars if ECW had still been around. And I think that's the key. If you want to talk about the spirit of ECW, you have to put on a show that ECW may have put on. And I think this is as close to what it would look like as I've seen. And it's probably because Tommy Dreamer is so heavily involved. But the Chris Hero-Tony Nese match was great. It was awesome. Uh, The match, in terms of matches, that stole the show by a mile, Sammy Callahan and Ricochet was just, I mean, it was like awe-inspiring. It was an amazing match amazing match. Even my wife was sitting there being like, why isn't WWE signed either of these two guys? And I pointed at Sammy Callahan and I go, they released him. She goes, why? Why would they do that? Well, you know, Jess, I don't know. Decisions are made and obviously uh, atmospheres count for something. But man, man, it was great. And the main event was Tommy Dreamer versus Matt Hardy. And it was just, so to come off Ricochet and Sammy Callahan led into Tommy Dreamer and Matt Hardy. And you go, how does Tommy Dreamer and Matt Hardy follow that? And they did what Paul Heyman has talked about so many times in so many interviews, which is tuck away anything negative and bring out the good. Okay, Ricochet and Sammy Callahan are going to bring, blow the roof off the building by doing one of the greatest wrestling matches that you'll see live? Okay, okay. Tommy and Matt Hardy are going to do one of the funnest main events that you're going to see live. And not goofy fun, like storytelling fun. It was just like, I was just gleeful watching it. So let me take you through this thing. Because I was just having such a good time that I wanted to talk about it. So Tommy Dreamer and Broken Matt, they're having their match. Uh, Tommy is supposed to have Terry Funk in in his corner, but he doesn't have him. uh, Because Terry Funk had to go home. But... Matt Hardy has Senior Benjamin, Rebecca, and his other dude with him. I don't remember his other dude's name right now. But they're going, you know, the big fat guy. But they're going for it. They're having their match. Everything's good. Tommy Dreamer gets Matt Hardy up in the corner, right? Tommy's up on the second rope. A drone flies across the arena. A drone, a mini version of Vanguard 1 flies across the arena. Tommy looks up. He gets distracted by the drone. 
You talk about modernizing an old wrestling trick. You know, like the manager is distracting you or whatever. Vanguard's one baby cousin distracted Tommy Dreamer as he's wailing, and that gave Matt Hardy all that he needed. I, As if I wasn't on an acid trip enough, Matt Hardy gets the advantage. Now Matt Hardy is on the ropes. Joey Styles comes to the ring, and he wasn't announced for the show. And he's got a microphone, and he just looks up at Matt Hardy and goes, Oh, my God! And and it's so weird, you know, he just yells, Oh, my God, into the microphone and just stares at Matt Hardy like it's a David Lynch movie. And Matt Hardy's like, "What? what's going on? And then Tommy takes advantage of the situation. Amazing. Amazing. So I figured that's the spot, right? They each got their thing. Everything's good. We're not even close to being finished yet. Then... Something happens. I don't remember what it was, but uh, uh, Rebby Sky, Rebecca, jumps in the ring and starts to interfere. She jumps on Tommy. And you're like, oh, no, that's cheating. I think it's a no. I'm sure it was a no disqualification match at this point. Beulah. Beulah McGillicuddy, the real-life wife of Tommy Dreamer, who Raven, in 1995 or 1996, introduced to the ECW arena who Tommy Dreamer ended up stealing from Raven and then marrying in real life, comes to the ring and grabs Rebecca, and they have an old-school ECW grab women grabbing each other by the hair, not acceptable in 2016, but amazing entertainment in the late 90s. Cat fight, cat fight, cat fight. And Joey Styles is screaming in at ringside, and I'm sitting there going, 13-year-old Sam Roberts is losing his mind at how great this is right now. So, so uh, Rebby Sky and, and, and uh, 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 Beulah fight to the back. Then, Tommy starts to gain the advantage because Beulah has, uh, has helped him out. Tommy hits the DDT. Raven comes out. Raven, who wasn't announced on the show. I was backstage. I didn't even know he was there. I was surprised by it. Raven comes out. Raven, who has, I mean, in terms of wrestling rivalries, the Tommy Dreamer-Raven ECW story is a story for the ages. Tommy Dreamer and Raven uh, had a rivalry that, uh, the modern day comparison might be Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, but Tommy Dreamer and Raven felt real. You know what I mean? Like, I think that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens based their rivalry probably on watching tapes as kids of Raven and Tommy Dreamer. That was the rivalry, and it lasted for years. And Tommy Dreamer just fighting so he could never beat Raven. Never beat Raven. And what happens? Raven drops him with a DDT. Quote the Raven, nevermore. And you're like, that's it. Raven has cost him another match until exit light, enter night. The Sandman's music hits. And you're going, no way. Again, not advertised to be on the show. The Sandman comes out. Raven gets out of there. Sandman starts caning Matt Hardy's guys. They leave. They're out of there. Now it's just Tommy Dreamer and Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy ends up giving him, I think it was a twist of fate with Tommy Dreamer's head inside of a chair. Looked brutal. Gets the pin. One, two, three. Matt Hardy wins. Then he takes out firecrackers. And he starts lighting fire. Or maybe he did this before the pin. And he starts lighting firecrackers on Tommy Dreamer's gut, which was amazing. Lighting off firecrackers and the sound, it was great. So after the match, 
Senior Benjamin runs out, and he's got a canister of gasoline. I kid you not, this is all happening in one match live in the ECW arena. It's like it took the magic of Final Deletion, and it brought it to life. It was like watching Disney on Ice. It was like if you're a huge Beauty and the Beast fan, and you go see Disney on Ice, Beauty and the Beast, and you're like, oh my god, it's being acted out right in front of me. It's real life. That's what it was, except for the Final Deletion. So Senior Benjamin brings out the gasoline and Matt Hardy starts pouring the gasoline on Tommy Dreamer and who comes out unannounced? Bubba Ray Dudley. Bubba Ray is there. And you're like, oh my God. And Bubba comes out and he announces in December at the next House of Hardcore show in the ECW arena, Tommy Dreamer, Matt Hardy, Steel Cage. I mean, it was just great. It was just fun. It was good storytelling. It was wrestling. You know what I mean? It was wrestling. So I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed being there uh, uh, with uh, Tommy and everybody else there. And I was able to record a podcast there probably on next week. Uh, So that'll be fun for everybody. Uh, Let's go into uh, WWE, I guess, right now. I think SmackDown, definitely a better show this week than Raw. Raw is confused, man. Raw is out somewhere in a field, lost, looking around. I don't know what direction to go in. Raw is like the Blair Witch, and they're just circling the woods, and they're like, there's no way we've been going in a circle this whole time. I thought we were moving forward. No, bro, it's a circle. And the problem is that going into the pay-per-view, the number one contender for the U.S. title looks like he's a more valid competitor than the Universal Champion. And I don't exactly know where Seth Rollins lines up with that. So Roman Reigns has been painted as this guy who deserves a shot at the title. Seth Rollins is a valid competitor. You know what I mean? And so now I'm sitting there going like, okay, but Roman... Like, Rusev almost seems like this annoying thing that won't leave Roman alone. While Roman is trying to get what's his, which is the universal title. But Roman is challenging for the United States title. And Seth Rollins is the one that should be being paid attention to. Now, obviously, they're building to something that involves Roman Reigns as well. But why there's not more attention being paid to Seth Rollins now, I don't know. And there is a lot. But in terms of the matches and in terms of who looks like a fierce competitor, like I left confused. That's why I think it wasn't terribly effective as a show leading into Clash of Champions because, you know, I'm kind of confused as to... What's going on a little bit? I'm kind of confused as to what's the main event. Where should I be focusing my attention? All of that stuff is a bit of a mystery to me because I think that it's 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 a weird thought that Roman Reigns is getting a, a, a U.S. title shot, right? Because because he, sh- he should be getting a, a world title shot, I thought, because he beat Kevin Owens in a cage. Like, when it became time for, for uh, to declare a winner, he won. He beat him in a steel cage match. No ifs, ands, or buts. But, I don't know. So, I, so the build has been, to me, sloppy. To me, it's been sloppy. Um, you know, and it's weird, too, because you've got... I, I feel bad for Big Cass. I guess he was the one guy that lost clean in that fatal four-way. But now it's like... That, remember, think about that fatal four-way match. You've got one guy's the champion, 
one guy's the challenger, one guy is in this weird position where he should be the challenger, but he's in the U.S. title match, and one guy is just trying to get a win over the Shining Stars. Very odd how far Big Cass has dropped uh, uh, since that since that match. Um, so I don't I don't know what you go into now. It would appear, and I think it's a good idea, that with this Seth Rollins uh, good guy turn that's happening, it's obvious that Seth Rollins is going to be a good guy. Uh, and that was obvious from the minute the Triple H pedigreed him. But it would appear that the next co-branded pay-per-view is Survivor Series. I would think that you will have a Shield reunion in a Survivor Series match. Maybe there'll be a fourth person. Maybe it'll be like... Maybe it'll be like uh, Roman Reigns, uh, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and I don't know, John Cena even. Maybe not John Cena because he would have to get eliminated. But some other good guy from SmackDown. Maybe Dolph Ziggler. You throw somebody in there, I don't know. One other good guy from SmackDown. He gets eliminated and you have this impromptu Shield reunion where you look around. I think that's... That's the way I would go with it. And then they would wrestle who are Kevin Owens, Rusev, uh, <coughs> uh, AJ Styles, and <coughs> maybe the Miz. You know, I don't know. I don't know I don't I don't I don't know. But but you you'd put I see two guys two good guys from Raw teaming with two good guys from SmackDown versus two bad guys from Raw teaming with two bad guys from SmackDown and you get your your Survivor Series interpromotional match because why not? And it gives you an opportunity to to reignite the the Shield for a night. That's exciting. But the the single branded pay per views it's interesting because they're fun to watch. But I feel like and there's two ways of looking at it. They're definitely it doesn't feel like there's 19 pay per views. It feels like the single branded shows are just kind of specials on the network. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, I'm excited about the triple threat match for sure. I think it's going to be good. Sasha, Charlotte. I mean, I think all the matches will be good. I think Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens is going to be a great match. I wish the build had been different is all I'm saying. Uh, you know, Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens, I mean, I get criticized a lot for saying my favorite wrestler, but they're my two favorite male wrestlers. And I don't like Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens are the absolute best. So uh, I think that that's going to be a, a great, great match. It's just the build has been sloppy, and the build of Kevin Owens as a champion I don't think has been done well. And because of that, because there's so much confusion, uh, I feel like that's very much affecting ratings. I feel like the reason the ratings are down is because the storytelling has not been great and because of uh, Monday Night Football. Football's back on, so obviously that's going to hit them hard when it comes to ratings. Uh, I was able to talk to Rikishi, actually, recently about the ratings, and he told me what he thought. Um... So, I think it'll probably be not too... I hope. My my hope... Here's the thing. I've gotten to a place with Clash of Champions where I'm hoping for basically what we got from Backlash, which was a decent show that furthered storylines, nothing spectacular. That's the best-case scenario. The worst-case scenario is we have something more like ECW December to Dismember because everything's confused. But I, I don't think it'll be that bad. I don't think so, and I'm, I will be, I will definitely be watching. Honestly, I, on, on Wednesday, after watching Raw and SmackDown, I'm more excited about No Mercy than I am about 
clash of champions. I got to be honest. And that's unfortunate. Uh, I think that the cruiserweights, I still think the cruiserweights are misplaced on Raw. Um, if they, I, I think that SmackDown needs a specialty. For instance, the women. Cruiserweights on Raw, women on SmackDown. SmackDown is doing an immensely better job with women than Raw is. We talked about this last week. I'm, I'm kind of, I was taken aback a little bit when I watched SmackDown and saw that they made a whole documentary about the Divas Revolution, the women's revolution. And said that the straw that broke the camel's back was that 30-second Divas match on Raw. You know, a year ago or whatever. And SmackDown this week comes along. And Nikki Bella is in a tag team match that lasts 30 seconds. And you go, what are we doing? Are we not learning from history? I mean, luckily there's other stuff going on with the women. So it's maybe not quite that bad. But still, like that can't be a habit. Uh, But SmackDown is just immensely better with the women than Raw is. Uh, I think all the women should be on SmackDown. Raw, the cruiserweights on Raw were weird. I don't, I don't think that they should have been positioned the way they were. Um, Mick Foley did not feel like I. I think that he truly. I believe him when he says he enjoys the cruiserweights and he's excited about the cruiserweights. But the introduction uh, was somewhat lackluster, and. Uh, I don't think they should have been introduced that way. I don't know if it was Mick Foley's fault necessarily. I think that what should have happened was the fatal four-way match or whatever they wanted to do, the match should have just happened on Raw. Come back from commercial break. Here's uh, Grand Metalik's entrance music playing. And they go, these are the cruiserweights we've been talking about. To hype it and hype it and hype it and hype it just puts them in an awkward situation. And then you're like, what are we seeing? Are we seeing a presentation of an entire roster? And then it's only the four people. And then you turn the arena purple. So you're basically saying, this is not Raw. This is a different show. Whereas if I'm running it, I go, don't, you don't need to turn the whole thing purple. Maybe you can turn the, like, the name tags when they come out, the graphics. Maybe you can make them purple if you really want to. I don't think you have to. Because, I mean, Sin Cara's could be a cruiserweight, right? He's probably over the weight limit at the moment, but he could lose a little weight. And you're not going to... If he's fighting Braun Strowman again, you're not going to call him a cruiserweight. You're going to... So it's confusing. But I don't think they should be separate. I think they should just be a different division, the same way the women are. When the women come out for a match, you're not like, oh, let's turn the arena orange. It's women. It's different. See? We're doing something different now. You just go, okay, it's time for a women's match. That's a part of they do. It's just a member of the roster. Why the cruiserweights are separated. Maybe there'll be a cruiserweight revolution at some point where they'll ask to be treated just like any other weight. <laughs> but uh, the match was good. Although it was weird, it was like, it felt very choreographed. And I don't know in a fatal four-way why literally throughout the entire match, it was just one-on-one. It was like people taking turns going into the ring as opposed to really having a fatal four-way. Uh, it, it, so it was, it was probably over-choreographed. But I still, everybody in that thing, I'm glad they're all there. Uh, I'm excited. The two people I'm most excited about, to tell you the truth, are Rich Swan, and I'm so happy Brian Kendrick is back. And I've talked about this before, but I'm such a fan of Brian Kendrick. I have been for years. I just, the Brian Kendrick was one of my favorite things, and I was crushed when it didn't work uh, long-term. But... I'm I'm happy about it. I'm very excited about the TJ Perkins Brian Kendrick match. I just don't think they need to turn the arena purple. I think, you know, they need to be like here's the US title match, here's the cruiserweight title match. It's part of the roster, it's part of the show. It's exclusive to the show. 
but these guys are exclusive the same way other guys are exclusive. It's just on the show. We're the one who have the title, like blah blah blah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't sort of separate it quite so much. I would do without the lights and 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 just have them come out. Don't be like, hey, later on tonight, cruiserweight people. You could name them. They could, they have names. You know, you could you could you could advertise what people are going to wrestle. This is our cruiserweight division. Very much how Nitro did it. Nitro's cruiserweight division is looked at as revolutionary. And it was just... And, and you know, they didn't treat it well. They treated it as secondary. But they did... The one thing they did right is just make it a part of the show. We talked about the camera angles on the podcast not too long ago. And talked about how how much I personally liked like the jib shot on SmackDown. Because it makes SmackDown look different. So that when you're just flipping around channels... You know what you're watching. I get that, like, you want to brand the cruiserweights so that when you're flipping around channels, you see that and be like, oh, the cruiserweights are on. But the Raw brand is stronger than the cruiserweight brand. So you should be stopping because it's Raw and then look at the guys in the ring and see that they're small. So it's cruiserweights. Um, I'm happy they're there. I just think it could go about a little bit differently the way they're presented. Actually, Rikishi had a theory on that, too, when I spoke to him. Um... So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out at the pay-per-view, at uh, at Clash of Champions. SmackDown, again, it was a good show. Uh, I enjoyed, uh, I, I, I was surprised, to say the least, when Dean Ambrose pinned John Cena. Why? Um, and you surprises are a good thing. You want surprises, you know? So I'm glad that that happened. Um... Let's see. I don't know that I'm. Uh, I don't know uh, what I'm missing here. I feel like I'm. I'm missing something. I always feel like I miss something. Talked a little bit about Sin Cara. I wish he was crushed more, but I always wish Sin Cara was crushed more. I just think it looks cool. Um, Seth Rollins probably. I don't know why he wasn't punished more than he was by the general manager, but so be it. Um, yeah. And uh, Talking Smack again was a great show this week. You got Carmella, the character of Carmella. We became familiar with her. But I think we covered enough here on the State of Wrestling this week. Uh, uh, We'll definitely cover what happens at Clash of Champions, if anything, uh, next week here on the podcast. Thank you for the last 100 episodes again, uh, or the last 99 episodes. Now that we're at the end of this one, that's 100. Um, You know, I didn't really know what to expect when we started the wrestling podcast. You know, I've said earlier, though, I really appreciate everything. Uh, Katie Linendahl will be back soon as I said, uh, first thing in the podcast. Uh, but in the meantime, support her uh, Bat Coal Foundation stuff that she's working on. She's just tirelessly working uh, towards helping pediatric cancer this entire month. And when and when, when Linendahl works tirelessly, it goes beyond what you or I could ever do. I mean, her her lazy day is more than you or I do. So working tirelessly is is, is, is insane for her. Thank you for being a part of the podcast, not only today, uh, but every week. And uh, we'll see you next week for episode 101. Maybe you'll learn something. Thanks for listening. listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.